This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Live and Learn on the Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An. Food security is a major concern at the global level as we continue to face an ongoing pandemic, international conflicts and climate change amidst, an, uh, amidst a very uncertain economic outlook for many of us. But if we bring it down to the community level, you know, what does food security or rather food insecurity look like for individuals and families? You know, what are they struggling with at the moment? Moment and how are soup kitchens and food banks who are filling in those gaps coping as well? So joining me on the show today to discuss more about today's topic is Justin Chia, Operations Director for Kachara Soup Kitchen. Thank you so much for joining me today, Justin. Thank you, Suyin, for the invitation. Good day to all of you. Perhaps we can start with a brief refresher on Kachara Soup Kitchen, right? For those who are not familiar, could you share more about the work that you do and how long you know Kachara Soup Kitchen has been around? Well, so and uh, we started our operations back in 2008 as a soup kitchen, where we've offered food, um, medical services, and also off-the-streets welfare for the homeless people on the streets, which we call them as clients. Um, this is just to help, um, in a way, to build trust and relationship with them. Uh, well, in hope to eventually take them off the street. So uh, the motive here is very much uh, clear, where we want to have lesser homeless people on the streets. And through doing that, we also accumulated quite a substantial amount of database about them. We found them, we found out the root causes of them being on the streets. So that's how we uh, decided to come up with the food bank program back in 2012 where we tap into families, uh, which is running a very high risk of um, getting themselves homeless in the future. Um, so here we talk about food insecurity and, you know, uh, people choosing um, food or livelihood rather over education, you know, and that's where we are giving them some dry provisions on a monthly basis. And then later on in 2016, we established a surplus food programs uh, to well, well, help reduce food wastage and redistribute them to the communities like uh, the forgotten people, the orang aslis, you know, the people who are uh, having disability, uh, some medical conditions, some with too many children, or even to the shelter homes or the orphanages that we know of in, in our own community. So from there, uh, being KSK, we also um, learn a lot more about the families and the marginalized community that we are serving. So we found out that many of them actually do not have the, the basic knowledge of how to generate income or even how to sustain their livelihood. So that's where we come up with the empowerment back in 2017, where we want to teach them with skill sets such as baking and sewing. And then later on, we hope we will be able to provide them some counseling because we felt that uh, mental health is also one of the main issues here and uh, ultimately we want them to to also learn up with financial literacy so that uh, in the end of the day we want to see them to be independent at, at least financially you know so uh, what you're looking here is like we are developing this uh, human development program we, we are trying to see how how to make them make their lives better 
Mm. It really highlights how trying to help someone isn't just, you know, from one aspect, isn't it? You really have to look at it as a whole, what people are struggling with. And sometimes there are many factors that have led them to the situation that they are in today. It's not so black and white, right? Yes, yes. It's very true because um, being on the ground, we see so many things happening at the same time. So their problem is, is always that before you have that problem solved, you have another problem coming in. So that is uh, very detrimental sometimes for the families. And you're, you're talking about their well-being in terms of uh, not just financially, but also their health issues, their mental health as well, You know how they react to certain things. So that's why you see them always... Um, finding it very hard to come out from the uh, to the positives rather than negatives because um, the, the way they are, they were brought up, how they were brought up, how they end up in the situations like that and the environment that they're living in. So that all uh, plays an important part. Mm. And I do want to talk a bit more about the issues of poverty later on. But first, you know, Justin, if we look at the idea of food security, right? I mean, World Food Day was just observed on Sunday. Um, Mm. This year's theme was Leave No One Behind. But what does food insecurity look like for the homeless and marginalised communities that um, Kachara Soup Kitchen serves? You know, how does it affect them on a day-to-day basis? Well, it's affecting everyone. It's not just the homeless people or the mm-hmm. uh, marginalized community. We are seeing food prices on the rise, and uh, I don't see it coming back down again. And uh, it, it it's causing uh, people to eat less, uh, if if I'm correct here, because what we are seeing is the people who are not earning enough already, and they already have more bills to pay, and and mounting debts. And now they have to fork out more money to just buy food. So a lot of them are actually uh, in that um, below the food security line. And then uh, you are seeing so many of them who are actually learning way lesser than we expected. And um, if you talk about hunger in Malaysia, generally, I don't see that as a a main issue because um, generally Malaysians are very kind. You know, you can get food anywhere if you do a shout out somewhere and you get food. But um, it's more about the long-term issue here. It remains a problem for them, you know. When they do not have enough money already, how are they going to survive? And it affects their mental health as well. And also, you you see people who choose education or food. You know, they choose food over education. And and one of the main reasons here is also you, you see people stop schooling, they lose interest in school. And then you see poverty cycle repeating itself here. And the last thing we want to see is um, then individuals go into homelessness because of this. And and I, I need to clarify here because it's not the soup kitchens who breed homelessness. We are here because they exist. And now we are telling you everyone uh, how they existed, you know, how they became in this uh, situation themselves in the beginning. So that's why we created the food bank uh, um, program in the first place. So it's 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 like you see, um, it's a, a family, it's a very simple family who is really uh, learning a very very old income, like let's say two thousand per month, mm-hmm. and the the wife would cook uh, in the morning the same dish that the kid will eat at the end of the day. So they're eating the same thing and you're talking about um, just couple so that uh, everyone is, uh, you know, uh, can can sustain themselves until the end of the day. 
and and you're talking about uh dal you're talking about curry mixed with rice very little vegetables and sometimes don't even have meat they don't eat chicken every day and yeah that has caused um malnutrition among children and children's growth are stunted and some of you might be surprised when you go into uh the poorer community areas where you see uh poor children and all that they're running around some you see them obese yeah you you might not be surprised in that so it's 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 a um not a very good phenomenon here um it's, it's not a good situation you're looking at and uh, our fear is this is going to even spread to many many more communities later on if this is not addressed hmm. i think as we've um sort of uh, tried to as, as we've seen more ed- education programs, you know, we're trying to get people aware that malnutrition is not just, you know, kids being very thin or not eating enough, but yeah. um, kids who are obese are also, you know, having poor nutrition. And that that nutrition aspect is also such an important part of food security, right? It's not just about yeah. eating, but eating the, the, the right food. Eating well, yeah, eating the right food. And you, you see food costs already um, on the rise, uh, at least maybe 20 to 30 percent mm-hmm. uh, more expensive and uh, cooking oil for example has gone three times over and then uh, it's harder for them to buy food now and even m40 are feeling the pinch now we and 625,000, if i'm correct uh that slipped down from m40 to b40 now so you're talking about they have to serve their uh, bills and all that and then at the same time have to pay for the money so it's it's very uh it's 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 a it's a gradual thing that people would choose something cheaper a cheaper option something that is not so nutritious let's say instant noodle you mm-hmm. know compared to a simple meal and now they are going to uh, turn to a sim- uh, uh, non so not so what you call the nutritious food you know or rather junk food yeah so it's 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 very very sad to see and that's why uh, NGOs like us, uh, KSK, is here to try to see how to tackle this issue long term. Mm. What difference does it make to the individuals to simply not have to worry about putting food on the table, right? Because you mentioned, you know, in some cases, if they have to choose between education and food, for example, food will win. Mm. What what difference does it make to them to just not have to worry about that one thing? Well, well you just have to have food on the table, isn't it? Yeah, then you, you it will just uh, help you to get more productive, I would say. And one of the re- main reasons why families going into field is uh, probably uh, most likely is financial. When the family is not doing well with income, they are short of money. They are short of money to buy food for the children. This has always been an issue. So it's it's actually... It can lead to many, many more things in the future. And that's why you see uh, a very, very high, alarmingly high divorce rate. And, and also there's uh, some uh, abuse cases going on in families. It all stems from where it, it stems from poverty, actually. So poverty, uh, it runs synonymously with this uh, uh, food insecurity. And, and many, many other aspects. You're talking about the social ills, the people living in uh, the areas that they don't really uh, save, it's not really safe for them to uh, live in those areas. Yeah, so it's demoralizing because uh, now they have lesser already to spend and now they have to serve even more uh, uh, costs to, to just to live, you know, just to survive. 
Mm. And poverty is a vicious cycle, isn't it? It it just traps these individuals in there. Yeah, yeah. So, and I agree very much because you see, when you are running out of money, you choose food over education. So, how are your kids going to grow up uh, into getting those basic education? Education is free. Yes, medical as well is free. Yeah, literally free in Malaysia, mm-hmm. but not tuition, not transportation to for education. You're talking about um, bus services now charging at least 100 ringgit per head for every children. So generally, I mean, in, in families where we are serving now, they have at least three children or more. So you're talking about a lot, a lot. You know, if you have four children, then you have to fork out 400 ringgit just for bus fare if your school is not around your neighborhood. And and that's why you see there are many um, families, you know, many parents in a the family, they don't really uh, do uh, consistent work because of thinking of trying to help their children or just to fetch their children to the school because it's just too expensive for them and they don't have anyone to mend their children when they're home. So this is what is happening. They, they can only rely on the elders and they, they just wait for the elders to grow up faster so that the elders can take care of the children and the mother can go out and work. Hmm. I'm speaking today to Justin Chia, Operations Director at Kuchara Soup Kitchen, and we are discussing how food insecurity and poverty impact the poor and marginalised communities um, in Malaysia and even right here in our capital city. So we'll continue this discussion after a few messages. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An. It was World Food Day on Sunday as well as End Poverty Day yesterday. So in conjunction with both occasions, we are discussing how poverty drives food insecurity and how food insecurity then impacts communities here in Malaysia. And joining me on the show today is Justin Chia, Operations Director at Kuchara Soup Kitchen. And he's been sharing what he and his team have seen and heard on the ground um, from the clients that they serve. Now, Justin, I want to ask you about the demography of the people that um, Kajara Soup Kitchen serves. Um, tell me more about them. Um, and have you seen any changes in the clients that you serve? Um, now that, you know, like we mentioned before, more people are feeling the pinch in their wallets. Well, um, definitely that is the case now. We serve about 3,200 families on a consistent basis now. Uh, and counting, more and more are turning up to ask for food uh, uh, assistance. And uh, we are overwhelmed at this moment. And uh, many of the families that we are serving are actually uh, the urban poor, where they live in KL and the main big cities. Yeah, And then uh, these are the group of people that are running very high cost of living Yeah, in, in, in KL. Although, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at it, you compare with the cities around our uh, region here, it's not really the case. It, I mean, we are one of the most affordable cities, I believe. And then, um, but then, and then you you are seeing that they are already not earning enough. And then uh, most of the times, uh, when problem comes, and or someone who is sick, then they have to borrow money to just to get uh, some medical assistance, um, just to make sure that they stay afloat. Then they have to borrow other people money, and then that's how they run into. Uh, debts and then they see their assets like just such as some some simple assets such as a motorcycle being towed away because they couldn't serve the the uh, the loan anymore 
And then when they do businesses, they worry they, they cannot sell and they have to sell it on the cheap despite the cost is way higher these days. So they're getting nowhere actually. Mm-hmm. And and the recent event is uh, in in one of the events that we organized recently, um, the kids was telling me, I heard, overheard from the conversation, they're saying that um, it's, it's been a while they've been eating such a full meal. You know, it's oh really, really saddened me a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really sad to see this happening in, in our neighborhood. And and you see, their their life is unlikely to change unless something significant is going to happen to them. And that's why our food bank is here to try to see how, how to tackle this issue, you know, by providing some basics for them so that they have enough money to be safe and use it during emergency or at least invest into their education, you know. I mean, education is free, like I said, but uh, not tuition. And tuition, how many... Uh, of them are actually really understand the, the subject and it, this is also a long-term solution for them but you know they can't even think far because currently they're in this um, bad shape that needs uh, immediate assistance mm. and you're trying to catch those who fall uh, between the cracks is um, because because from what I understand you know there are um, of course you have people who are living under the poverty line who will receive some sort of a, a assistance from the government but there are also people yeah. who are sort of barely scraping by and they may not qualify for those assistance right well these are the people maybe feeling the most because they do not qualify for assistance and yet they have to go and find work for themselves and at least the, those who are living under the poverty line like you mentioned just now uh, they they have some form of assistance from the government and the welfare assistance uh, that that help a lot mm-hmm. actually and um, I believe at this moment in time there's families many families out there who doesn't uh, who, who feels that they, it's this is not enough you know although it's from 300 now it's uh, up to 500 ringgit per month it is still not enough because there's uh, other issues like um, people overcharging rents you know mm. uh, and then they they were forced into living in in a way where they they can't really do anything about it it's it's, it's very hard and when you see this and then when they choose food over education you see more people dropping out from school and one of the uh case i i saw over last week uh, very recently the kid had to stop schooling at age of 13 because uh, the families just couldn't um, support already. And the kid now, uh, a teenager, uh, he has to go out and work, do part-time to help help with, uh, to help the family to gain some income back to uh, their home. So it is really disheartening for me actually, because this, uh, I feel, uh, it's, it's a running issue and it's going to cost us a lot in the future. Mm. How do you think we can do better, especially as a society, to help and support these individuals, right? And not just in a one-off manner, but, you know, actually provide them support that helps them in the long term? Yeah, well, that's why we have this empowerment program running, because we feel that uh, many of them are not able to generate more income. So here we are teaching them skill sets, try, try, try to find them some way of income or uh, some way to find more income, yeah, to just make sure that they, they can stay afloat. And um, on top of that, we are planning um, like financial literacy, counseling, 
mental health programs so that to make sure that they are well equipped to weather through the storm and then in the in the end we want to see them uh, being independent financially Hmm. And speaking of staying afloat, you know, I want to talk talk to you a bit more, Justin, about um, the operations of Kachara Soup Kitchen. You mentioned that everyone is feeling the pinch of rising food prices. So how is Kachara Soup Kitchen coping? You know, how have you managed? Um, you know, what have been the challenges? Well, we are very challenged at this moment. We have, have more people coming and knocking the door asking for food. Mm-hmm. And then donations have trickled down and lesser people coming to drop off food at our food banks. and you know, and then the operation cost has also uh, rose quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be honest with you, our fundraising target this for this year, we are 30% behind. And that is uh, worrying because that would mean we will have to use our cash reserves just to make sure that we stay afloat. So we have to find ways to how to be uh, sourcing for support creatively. You know, we need all the help we can get. And I, I would like to take this opportunity to also uh, ask from the public to donate either your time, your, your, you know, if you have, you can donate money. And otherwise, you can also help share our course to everyone to see how how we can bring this, um, uh, uh, you know, bring a better service for our uh, community that we serve now. Hmm. And I understand that you're running a food drive um, in conjunction with World Food Day this year. Um, tell me more about that. You know, how can people help through that? Well, this is an interesting subject because in conjunction with World Food Day, we are doing this until the end of October. Mm-hmm. And we, are, we hope to raise more of our food because we need at least 80 um, tonne of food for the uh, people, the, for the community that we are serving uh, in Malaysia alone, 80 tons. And then uh, we are also partnering with the regional food banks around our sister food banks, such as SOS, Food Cycle, uh, Rise Against Hunger, Feeding Hong Kong, uh, Green Food Bank of China and Food Bank of Singapore. We are doing this together to raise an awareness about this uh, food insecurity and also uh, malnutrition, yeah, the uh, proper diet for the uh, everyone, you know, no one left behind, as you said. So... Um, one can just uh, come to our food banks located in uh, five states, which is in Penang, Ipoh, KL, Malacca, and Johor. Drop off food that we need and then uh, uh, try to see if you can help donate on a regular basis because this is long term. And um, I'm also very happy to see say that uh, uh, our mentor, Global Food Banking Network, has been the uh, driving force behind our work here. They are based in Chicago, and they are also very supportive of our work in Malaysia and also the regional food banks around uh, where we want to uh, raise an awareness about food insecurity and also bring food to the table of the poor families that we are serving. So our operations currently are everywhere, actually, you know, and uh, we are actually in the midst of looking for a warehouse in KL mm-hmm. so that we can consolidate our operations, be it the soup kitchen, the empowerment of food banks. Right now, it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so we are trying to see how to find a place in, in KL uh, where we can pack everything into one so that we can uh, also work uh, under this uh, uh better environment and also to be more sustainable. Mm. What sort of, um, if people want to drop food off at your food bank, right? Could you give some examples of, I guess, what they can um, buy and, you know, where can they go to find more information? 
Well, they can go to our website, uh, com to find out more about this food drive. Uh, it's called the World Food Day by Kachara Soup Kitchen. And then uh, we need rice, we need uh, cooking oil, we need uh, a lot of biscuits, we need a lot of instant noodles, we need a lot of canned food, we need a lot of sugar, flour, and things that we can keep. Uh, basically, and um, I would request all food to be halal because we are serving everyone here in Malaysia, mm-hmm. and uh, we want to make sure that uh, everyone can eat in the peace of mind. And uh, yeah, one can do so by dropping off in our, our food banks, as I mentioned earlier. You can find out the locations where, but in KL, it is going to be in Seri Rajang. Is this issue of rising costs, um, you know, and, and also the increasing number of people knocking on your door, is that something that you've heard from other soup kitchens that are working around Malaysia, especially the urban areas as well? Yes, um, it's been the topic of uh, our amongst the NGOs uh, all this while because we, we are worried and uh, people have weathered through the pandemic, you know, and many had suffered you know, during the uh, flood and, and also now everybody is feeling the pinch because of our ringgit and also the uh, economy situation is not really good out there. But uh, then again, people are generous in, in nature. It's just that they have been giving quite a lot already over this period of time. So it's harder for them to come forward again mm-hmm. before uh, to, to contribute. They, they have to find more money somewhere else in order to give, right? So it's understandable, but this is the general topic out there and um, everyone is feeling it. I think for NGOs like us, we are feeling it even more. Hmm. All right. And to wrap up our conversation, Justin, you know, everyone's talking about the upcoming um, general elections. I guess from your perspective, you know, I want to find out in your in your line of work, what do you want to see, you know, being addressed or being prioritised in manifestos um, when it comes to addressing issues like poverty or food insecurity in Malaysia? Well, in, from our angle, we always hope for the best for the needy. We, there will be more incentive, like food incentive, for the needy people and also I, I would like to also suggest um, the, uh, someone to advocate for the surplus food programs for the poor especially you know um, maybe encourage the public to come in and donate you know it, it may not be necessarily uh, purchase food but at least um, don't waste it you know mm. uh, one of the main issues here we are talking also to reduce uh, wastage because food wastage is a problem so how are we going to do this to channel everything that is surplus here, which is in still, still in good condition uh, for the those in need and those who are suffering from this uh, unprecedented event. And then um, more support for the food banks, I would say, um, and NGOs like us, because we are running uh, very high operations uh, in Malaysia. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Justin. Thank you, Suhan. Thank you. I've been speaking to Justin Chia, Operations Director for Kachara Soup Kitchen in conjunction with World Food Day, which was observed on Sunday. And we've been talking about how food insecurity affects um, people at the community level, especially those that Kachara Soup Kitchen serves, those in the homeless and marginalised communities here in Malaysia. If you are keen to help out Kachara Soup Kitchen in any way that you can, you can look up their website at www.kacharasoupkitchen.com. 
loveandlearn.com. If you missed any part of today's show or any previous Live and Learn episodes, you can download our podcasts on bfm.my or on the BFM app. I'm Lim Suen and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.